Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. I've, I've learned a, a few different things that I wasn't expecting to learn. I think the main thing for me is, and for those who are listening and you're in discipling relationships, you think that you're the one giving all the information and you're the one who's pouring out and you're investing in guys. But I think the greatest surprise is you get blessed way more than you can ever give out. Oh, yeah. And one of the main things for me is as a pastor or even as a Christian man, just the challenges in the Christian life or challenges to live a holy life and challenges to uh, live a life pleasing to the Lord and be the husband and father that God's called me to be is without the discipleship group, how would I be held accountable in the church? I mean, think of how many guys in our church that literally have no accountability. They have nobody speaking into their life. I like to say, how many 2 a.m. friends do you really have? Okay. Like, like how many guys could you call at 2 a.m. when your life falls apart who will literally drop everything they are doing or get up from bed and come, fall, <laughs> come, fall, yeah, or come to your house and find you? Yeah, yeah, come find you and say, hey, man, I'm here. I'm here to help. And uh, so one of the surprising things was the, the level of accountability to keep me following the Lord and to call me up. Because let's, let's think about this. If I didn't have guys looking me eyeball to eyeball, face to face every week, I probably wouldn't read the Bible as consistently as I do. Now, let's get this straight. I'm not reading the Bible to earn something from God. Like the reason I'm reading our F260 plan every day is I've read this morning and I try to read five days a week, although I don't always get five. But the cool thing about the plan is you can catch up on the weekends. So many, do you do that, Chris? You catch I up? Do. Yeah. I catch up on the weekends almost every weekend. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I do. Yeah. Some weeks I can do it. Yeah. A uh, Friday, see my off day Friday. Sometimes I just, I just don't read. And so I'll do that on Saturday. But the reason I'm doing that is not to earn something from God. I'm not not trying to display my meritorious works before God. God, you see me do this. It's because of a relationship I have with God, and I want to learn more about him. Well, and, and back to that point that you just made about the accountability of pastors specifically. So any pastor out there listening, we have all heard stories of pastors, uh, even famous pastors, um, who have, have fallen. And we look at those scenarios and think to ourselves, how could that happen? How could this man who has led, you know, X number of years at a high level of leadership, um, and and we're all one decision away, one bad decision away from that. But at the same time, if we have this uh, group of guys around us that are holding us accountable, I just think exactly what you said. It holds us in a place where we say, man, I know I've got these folks around me who are going to help me, encourage me, and they're going to be asking me the key questions. And, uh, you know, how do you think that relates to those leaders who, who may not be in that kind of relationship and it's just a little bit easier for them maybe go down that path. Well, and the thing, yeah, that, that's a great point because the thing is this, um, most people, uh, who are out of accountability, who are isolated and alone, uh, are more susceptible to fall to sex, immorality, greed, pride. And it doesn't matter if you're a pastor 
or a church member or a deacon, we, we all are susceptible That's to true. this. Yep. Uh, there was a study done years ago by Howard Hendricks um, who did this study uh, and talked about why men fell and really studied about 248, almost 250 pastors who had fallen in ministry. And these are guys you would never think. Like no one sets out in ministry and says, hey, I want to uh, have a fruitful ministry for about five years and then 10 years in, I'm going to cheat on my wife, lose my ministry, wreck my church, run Christ's name through the mud. Nobody says that. Yeah, nobody. But the reality is it is happening. And it is happening now at a greater rate. And I think it's happening more so as we think because of the internet and social media and whether it's justifiable or made up or, or anywhere in between, we see it more. So here's the thing. Hendricks found out that a couple of things were happening. Number one, when they asked these men why they fell, what were some of the factors? Number one is they got away from a regular, quiet time alone with God in the Word. See, the word of God is like a mirror to your life, right? And so when you read the word, not only are you growing in your relationship with God, but it is a mirror to the shortcomings in your life. God, in a sense, shines a searchlight on your heart. If you don't have that, listen, if you're listening and you don't have that regular quiet time or isolated time by yourself to hear from God and God alone. And I'm not talking about reading books about the Bible. I'm not talking about reading biographies of men who were uh, faithful students of the word or even uh, men who were pastors. I'm talking about reading reading the word, yeah. right? Not not having someone in between you in the word. If you don't have that, then you start to get away from hearing from God and, and the mirror in your life. But secondly, here's what they found. They did not have any kind of accountability. Hmm. See, what happens with, with pastors and leaders or even just Christian men, when you get away from someone speaking into your life, Someone that can say, hey, uh, you, need to, you need to check into this. Or I know you didn't mean this possibly, but that came across prideful. Or uh, that girl you're talking to, it's a little too close. Or who are you texting? Who are you looking at? Or what are you looking at on a consistent place? Yeah. Is that bringing honor to the Lord? If you don't have that on a weekly basis, on a consistent basis, right. Hendricks said that's what happened to these men. So the discipleship group, just to answer the question we started with, is not only an opportunity for you as a leader, a man or a woman, to invest in someone else. Mm -hmm. It's to hold you accountable yourself sure. so that when you walk in, they're asking you these tough questions. Are you in the word? Are you memorizing scripture? Are you sharing your faith? Are you, and let's just talk about evangelism. If we want to see more evangelism, where else are you going to hold someone accountable right to share their faith outside of the group. We were just at a conference last week and I told the group this. I said, we want to see more evangelism than we ever had before. We want to see more saved people than we ever had before. But pastor, you just getting globally in front of your people on Sunday and saying, share your faith more is not going to do it. Not a lot of accountability. There. No, there's no accountability. <laughs> and that's one of the things we would say with the discipleship group specifically that sets it apart. And one of the reasons we're so excited about it, and we've seen the fruit of it uh, at, at numerous churches, is accountability and multiplication. Two things we don't see heavily in any other area of the church. Uh, I've talked to hundred, literally hundreds of church leaders about this, and I've asked them, where in your church are you seeing high levels of accountability and high levels of multiplication? And the best answer is in our small group Sunday school, which might produce another three to five groups per year for the entire church. So we know that this discipleship group model is is important for that, speaking about accountability. A big surprise for me that I've found, and, and uh, you can kind of speak into this as well, you've been doing this for a while now, uh, almost 
10 years now. 15. Uh, 15 years now. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry to cite on a guy right after I became a That's Christian. That's right. Replicate's been around for 10 years, yep. but you've been doing this much longer than that, and you're a product of this in your own life. Um, I've only started doing this two years ago, so I've indirectly um, invested in people for a lot of years, but intentionally in the discipleship group model that we talk about with Replicate for two years. And the biggest surprise for me was just how easy the group itself is. Now, I'm not talking about the life of the group. Life is messy. Life is difficult. There's nothing easy about that when you press in and you really get under the surface with people and have relationships in which you are accountable and you are asking questions and you're accountable yourself to those questions. However, it's not like a Sunday school class. I'm not preparing a lesson each week. I'm not trying to come up with some fun uh, mixer or game to, to kick off the lesson. <laughs> Icebreaker. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going after the ice. I'm not scouring the web for some great insight that I need to teach. I'm literally showing up and sharing with these guys what God has said to me as I read His Word, and asking them to do the same. And it's just such a refreshing ministry. So the biggest surprise to me has been. Uh, on the front end of it, not knowing, thinking, here's a whole nother group's ministry that's going to take a lot of administration, a lot of investment of time and effort and preparation. And then the reality that, no, if I'm just living, as you've called it and, and preached it before, the normal Christian life, then this is just meeting and talking with guys about that. And so it's been a refreshing ministry, and that's been the biggest surprise to me. Well, I mean, and, and, and here's a great point on that. It's it's putting the word front and center in the Christian life because you're letting the word do the work. You know, right. we always say there are five things you do in a group. You start with prayer and how was your week? The second thing you move into is scripture memory. I always put that first because you will forget about it and, and you, right. you can't, you, you sometimes don't come back to it. Number three is you do hear journals through the week as we talk about in our resources and online through the F260 plan is what we read. And guys come in and you don't have to prepare. This is not a lesson. This is not a lecture. Guys come in if you're in a guy's group or girls come in if you're in a girl's group and you just share what you heard from God. Right. It's a body life service as Brother T says, uh, you're sharing what God's done in your life. And then the fourth thing you do is you read a book through the week and you talk about it. Sure. Sometimes we never get to the book. Yeah. And that's optional. And, and that's optional. optional. Yeah. Sure. And then finally you, you finish with prayer. But, but here's the thing. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't have a seminary degree. Yeah. I'm not a pastor. Okay. Neither were the first century disciples. Sure. These were fishermen. These were guys who were overlooked and looked over at at an early age. They left the school in order to learn the family business. If anybody had reason to justify, hey, I can't lead people and disciple people, it would have been those guys. And yet they turned the world upside down. Because here's the thing we have to realize. They were dependent upon the spirit of God Mm -hmm. and they invested in the people of God and they proclaimed the word of God. Even Peter. You think about Acts 2, that sermon. He had such an understanding of the Old Testament, which was the only testament for them, but such an understanding that he just connected the old to the new and said, this is what you guys have been waiting for. His name is Jesus. And we simply get in the group and let the word do the work. And it will work if you do that. Well, it's powerful. And, you know, as you mentioned, again, coming back again to the accountability, because I can't stress enough, um, the accountability of of reading the word, but also the accountability that is driven by the word. So as we're reading through scripture, um, there's obviously some questions we ask each other every week. What's your thought life like? Um, If you're in a group of of married adults, how's your uh, your marriage going? Um, How are things going with your spouse? That kind of thing. Um, But the reality is, as you're reading God's word, you touch on some different elements in the scripture. Uh, Moses 
obedience or disobedience to God, the people uh, nagging and whining in the desert. And those are some just intentional ways you can share some accountability questions. How are you in your relation, in, in your obedience to God? Uh, are we acting like Moses here? Are we following his lead or shying away from what when he did, when he didn't do it right? Um, when we see the people responding to God in a way that we know we shouldn't. Um, so those accountability questions pop up on the fly, just out of the scripture and drive a lot of how we respond to God's work. And again, not in a legalistic way. Hey, let's check in, check these rules off uh, this week. What do we do? What do we accomplish? but just being open to being guided by God and obeying his commands. And I think coming back to the Great Commission, teaching them to obey um, is not just obedience. It's it's walking together, understanding his words first so that we can know how to live in response to them. Yeah. And the thing is, it's so simple to do that because what you're doing is you're letting people lead. And that's the big thing. People always ask us, how do you replicate the group? The reason we named the ministry Replicate is because that's the goal of the group. It's not just to meet to be a cistern of truth where you just store up information through transfer of information. The goal is to be a channel of blessing whereby God invests in you through his word and his people, and you then in turn invest in others. And when you let people lead, in a sense, by saying, what did you hear from God? What did you hear from God? It's not, as I wrongly did, and some of you, it's not a gathering of just studying the big blue book of Wayne's Grudem's systematic theology. We love to study that stuff. I mean, who wouldn't want to dissect the finer tenets of God's communicable and incommunicable <laughs> qualities and then talk about just eschatology? Real <laughs> I mean, you're, the audience is like, well, people listen, are like, man, I'd love to do that. Yeah, right. But honestly, you could study those things until Jesus returns and never live them. You can't do anything with them. And it's I'm not against studying the theology and doctrine, but what makes the here method impactful is you highlight a verse, you explain a verse, but then you apply that verse to your life today. And as you're applying it to your life, the other guys in their, in your group will begin to apply it to their life. And then we respond, the R, and we say, what are we going to do with what we just read? Yeah. And that becomes a powerful tool in that, their life. That is what I do think sets it apart. A lot of Bible study... Uh, methods, techniques lend themselves to just pulling the truth out, finding the precept. Um, what I love about the here method is it's half of it is application and not just application in general, which we can all kind of come up with. That's another form of just see, oh, here's this truth that I found. But the response of here's what I'm actually going to do about that. Yeah. And uh, and so that's it, great here. So as we wrap up, any final words on the biggest surprise you've had from discipleship groups? Yeah, I would just say if you're not in a group and you haven't started a group, trust the Lord, depend upon the Spirit, make the Word of God central, and uh, expect God to work and anticipate God working and it to change your life. And the reason we know that is both of us are sitting here as the beneficiaries of a life change through discipleship and discipling others. So I just say try it, see what God does. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.